First scripture is from Matthew 4, verses 17 through 22. From then on, Jesus began to preach, turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Our first gospel lesson came from the beginning of the story, at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This next lesson comes from the end of the story, but I want you to notice the parallels of fishermen along the shores. This comes from John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards from shore. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there. With fish on it and bread, Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now not one of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, call us anew this morning, that we might hear Jesus' words calling us to follow him and respond in our hearts and in our lives. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. You know what fishermen say about a bad day fishing, right? Still better than a day without fishing in it. Can you remember your your best day fishing, if you have ever been out on the water somewhere? I can still remember the day in third grade that a friend named Jackson and I were fishing at his grandmother's pond. We went out with some worms, and we were supposed to catch sunfish, She collected them in a bucket and kept them for fertilizer for her garden. And on that day, every time a worm hit the water, we came out with another fish. I was in third grade, and I still remember we caught 36 fish that day. His grandmother had the best-looking tomatoes that summer that you've ever seen. But I still remember that we caught 36 fish on that day, and it makes me believe this story just a little bit more. When the disciples wrote down their account later, they said they caught 153 fish in the net. Think about them years later, talking to each other as they're writing the story down. Do you remember that day when Jesus met us on the lake shore after he was raised from the dead? And one of them says, do I remember that day we caught 153 fish? Of course I remember that day. But maybe also remember your worst day fishing. I can go back to my childhood for that day as well. My dad got a rowboat for us for $5 at some farm auction that he was at. We were so excited to hit the water with our $5 rowboat. We took it out on Metz Pond. We got out to the middle of the pond with our fishing gear all ready to go, only to discover that the $5 rowboat had a a small leak in it. And the boat started kind of slowly sinking. And that situation changed pretty quickly. (laughs) Have you ever heard the phrase, overwhelmed? It's, it's actually a nautical term for when your boat dips below the waterline and the whelm becomes overwhelmed. Uh, well, that small leak just made us heavy enough in our $5 rowboat that we went down, and we went down quickly. <laughs> I also learned that day that Metz Pond is only about three or four feet deep out in the middle, so you can drag your $5 rowboat back to shore even if it's full of water. 
But the disciples went fishing in today's story. After Jesus was raised from the dead. And their fishing story from that day was more like my second story. They went out all night and they didn't catch anything. Now you might ask, why were the disciples out on the water in the first place? If Jesus is raised from the dead, don't they have something better they're supposed to be doing? But Peter tells the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And they say to him, we will go with you. Why were they out on the water that day? Well, many of them were fishermen by trade, but Jesus had called them long ago and told them, now I will make you fish for people. But on this day, they went back to the old familiar pattern. Back to their boat, back to their nets, and back out on the water. At a time when they were confused. On a day when they were disappointed. On a day maybe they were feeling a little bit impatient. At the beginning of this morning's gospel story, we find the disciples discouraged. It's a feeling that you and I know sometimes too. Sometimes in the life of faith, our our faith seems to ebb and to flow. There are the high times and there are the low times too. The times when you feel fired up for Christ and the other times when you wonder where God is even at in your life. The disciples are at one of those low points. And this morning's story invites us to ask the question of how we can reconnect to the passion that we once felt. How we can recognize that time in our lives when we were first touched by God's grace. This story happens at the end of John's Gospel, but you notice how it has ties all the way back to the very beginning? This story is a big reminder of who Jesus is and why he called the disciples in the first place. On this day, the disciples are out fishing in a boat, just like they were on that first day. We see Peter jumping out of the boat and swimming to shore with the same enthusiasm that he had when he walked on water toward Jesus. We find Jesus feeding the disciples a meal of fish and bread. Echoes of the meal that Jesus shared with the crowds when the little boy shared loaves and fish. They come to the shoreline and it says they dare not ask who he was. They recognized him as he broke bread and shared it with them, just like he did at the Last Supper. But as the disciples were remembering all these different parts of Jesus' ministry and his relationship with them, Peter remembered something else. Peter was standing there that morning by a charcoal fire. That's an important detail because it ties back to another detail in the Gospel of John, another charcoal fire. The other one was lit by some soldiers who were standing around on a cold night when Jesus was arrested and betrayed. 
The Gospel of John uses that same detail that Peter was standing by a charcoal fire when they asked him, Are you one of this man's disciples? And on that night, Peter panicked. And even though he thought he was brave and he told Jesus he would follow him to his death, when they asked him, are you one of this man's disciples? On that night, Peter answered, I am not. And so we find Peter on this morning on the shoreline battling his own shame. Peter, who was the rock, Peter, who has seen Jesus catch a miraculous amount of fish. Peter, who is himself a fisher of men. Peter, who proclaimed Jesus was the Son of God before anybody else dared to. Peter, whose mother-in-law was healed by Jesus. Peter, who walked on water. Peter, who saw Jesus transfigured on a mountaintop. Peter, who promised to stay by Jesus' side even to his own death. But Peter, whose courage failed pretty fantastically on that one night standing by a charcoal fire. That one night that would probably fill his memory for a long time to come. So why were they out on the fishing boat that day? I think they were just retreating back to what felt safe, what felt comfortable, what felt familiar. Going back to their boat was a place where they felt competent. But on this night of fishing, they were even failing at that. They hadn't caught a single fish all night long. If they were feeling like failures when they went out on the water, they certainly weren't feeling much better about themselves by the time the dawn came around. We human beings like to avoid failure. In fact, uh, behavioral economics, they tell us that humans hate failure so much, we will put twice as much effort into avoiding failure as we will derive pleasure from enjoying success. It makes us all kind of risk averse, right? Trying to avoid failure. Well, I ran into a great story this week. I want to tell you the story of Jason Everman. Anybody recognize him? He's the most almost famous person that you've never heard of. <laughs> See, if I show you the next picture, you might get why. That's Jason Everman on the right, and if you know your bands, you're looking at Nirvana right here. See, Jason was an original member of the band Nirvana. He was a great guitar player, but he just didn't get along with his bandmates, and they voted him out. And then Nirvana cut their next album, which went platinum. But Jason moved on, and being a great guitarist in Seattle at the time was, was good, and having that hair like he has on the right there, pretty amazing. He went on and joined another band. This time, he played for Soundgarden. But eventually, he didn't get along with those bandmates so well either, and they kicked him out of that band. Their next album went double platinum. Between Nirvana and Soundgarden, they sold over 100 million records 
A hundred million records that Jason Everman almost played on. He could have been famous. He could have been rich twice. What would you do if you were 26 years old and just missed the meal ticket twice? Jason decided he'd join the military. Went to basic training. When he arrived at Fort Benning, his hair was cut short, his nose ring was removed, and he was as anonymous as any other recruit. And he went on to join the Army Rangers and eventually the Special Forces. And he served with distinction in both Iraq and Afghanistan after September 11th. He went from being almost famous to missions that are still classified today. A completely anonymous existence serving his country. What do you think Peter should do after his failure? As he stands next to that charcoal fire, feeling again the guilt and the shame of his own words. Judas betrayed Jesus. So did Peter. Judas ran away from Christ. But Peter? Peter ran back toward Jesus. Judas ended his life in despair, but Peter ended his with hope. Would this one episode from Peter's past, this one mistake, this one sin committed, define his future? Jesus comes to Peter and asks him the same question three times. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. And Peter, do you love me? It says the third time that Peter looked sad. He confronted his own mistakes in the past, the sin of betraying Jesus. And Peter stood up and looked Jesus in the eye and said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus tells him a third time, feed my sheep. It's a story of a new beginning. It's a story of a fresh start. The end of the story goes all the way back to the beginning. And Jesus uses the same words that he did on the lake shore three years earlier. He says to Peter, follow me. In the last story, he says the same thing as he said at the beginning. Follow me. Many of us sometimes feel that we need to be perfect, or at least a little bit better than we are, to follow God. Many of us probably carried some shame into the sanctuary this morning. But it's my prayer that we can learn from Peter to move toward Jesus. As we share communion here this morning, may we be reminded again of God's forgiveness for us. May we feel again the Holy Spirit's movement in our hearts and minds. May we be reminded of Christ's grace that is offered to us so that you and I 
can hear the call again to be refreshed and renewed and respond with hope. May we, like Peter, remember here today Christ's call upon our lives, and may we recommit ourselves to following him. Amen.